0: Welcome to the Cross the Line Podcast. My name is Carlos Smith and today's episode is sponsored by PCS Cleaning. If you're looking for a cleaning service that fits your needs, then PCS Cleaning is for you. They offer residential and commercial cleaning services. They are affordable and know exactly what it takes to get the job done. So if you need someone who will go above and beyond that will get the job done for you, give them a call at 423-521-2781. They're also located on 800 Market Street, Chattanooga, Tennessee, in Suite 207. So thank you, Mr. Sharon Green, for sponsoring this episode of the Cross the Line Podcast. And today, everyone, we have a special guest. Some of you may remember his face from the upstate. Um, he's, we're down here in Chattanooga sitting with him right now. He's the morning show anchor of Good Morning Chattanooga and Midday Anchor at WTVC, WTVC News Channel 9. Mr. Greg Funterberg, how are you? Good to be talking with you. You know what? It's so crazy that I remember
1: you sending me a message about nine months or so after you had just graduated from college, mm-hmm. wanting to go into sports broadcasting. And look at you doing your own yes, podcast! Sir. I'm so proud of you. You know what? I think this week was National Podcast Day or something.
0: Oh, really? I ran across yeah. that this week. I, I think podcasts are the new trend. But yeah, I remember like when I first reached out to you because um, that my my senior year I had that experience like covering like professional mm-hmm. sports in mm-hmm. high school uh, football. And I was just like, you know what? I I thought I was just going to get a job. I say this story all the time. I thought I would get a job right after high school. I mean, college, at ESPN or something. And it didn't work that way. So I I wanted to reach out to someone who was in that field to kind of give me some um, ideas of what I should do next. And thankfully, you always responded to me. And Even over time, like we just stayed Mm -hmm. in touch. But I always say I appreciate you for doing that.
1: No problem. You know what? Somebody helped me. And I'm always willing to help other people, especially so many young journalists that want to get into aspiring journalists, especially – You know, young brothers and young black kids, brown and black kids that look like me because, you know, I'm always willing to be a help to so many people who may not otherwise get that help.
0: Absolutely. And I think it's still a true testament because even the people that we've interviewed here, when they ask who we have coming up, when we say Greg Funderbird, every single one of them, oh, yeah, I, I know Greg. I know Greg. So it's like everybody knows you around here. So it's like it's a true testament to how committed you are to helping people and how you are in the community as well. So starting out, um, I know you were in our area, up in the upstate mm-hmm. in Greenville at Fox News. Where are you originally from?
1: I am from a small, teeny tiny city called Sylacauga, Alabama. It's uh, about 30 minutes south of Birmingham okay. in Alabama. So I grew up in a small town about twelve to 15,000 people. Jim Neighbors from the Andy Griffith Show, he is from Sylacauga. Okay. So he's the only famous person I know that's from Sylacauga. And it's a small town. My whole family's there. My mom's family's there. My dad's family's there. But we have other family members across the country. So mm. whenever I go home to Silicon Valley, it feels like home because I see all my cousins. The only time that, especially during the holiday season, I'm typically there for about a week. And so when I come back to work and I'm on television, some of that Southern dialect... Mm-hmm. I pick it up in that week, and then right. it takes me a couple days to get rid of it really quick. So.
0: so how how did you actually get your start in working in the media and in the news? You know, crazy story, I really wanted to be a mortician. Mm-hmm. Uh, when
1: I was a kid, I don't know what where this came from. I had All a right. fascination with funerals and dead people. I don't know. It's, I guess it's, I guess I used to see the dead when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. But as a kid, I remember taking toys and that we would get from McDonald's or Burger King, and I would have a funeral with my cousins. So I wanted, I would plan out these funerals, bury them in the yard. I remember my oh. grandmother used to laugh. You can laugh. You know, my grandmother used to always say, that boy is going to be a funeral director one day. And so I used to always tell my brothers, I would say, you know, you're going to work for my funeral home. And so then I heard a main anchor in the Birmingham area. She's actually from my home county. And at the time, she was a main anchor at the NBC affiliate in Birmingham. And she spoke at my summer program. I was so inspired by her speech. Uh, months later, went to the station, got a chance to see the live element of TV news, fell in love with it, and I never looked back.
0: And it's still kind of how ironic. Of course, with the news, they always talk about death a lot, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. So even Mm -hmm. though you wanted to, that was your dream at first, starting out. Then you still get into the media. And now it's like when you turn on the TV and watch the news, that's pretty much all they talk about all the time.
1: It's just so heartbreaking to see, you know, we've had just over, just think about it, over 200,000 people die from COVID-19 this year. That's not including, you know, terminal illnesses, natural causes, car accidents. Um, it's just mind boggling. And my heart goes out to so many people who right. have lost loved ones. I personally had a friend of mine pass away from COVID at hmm. the end of August, and it's just heartbreaking to see what so many families are going through. But I'm praying that, you know, on the other side of this, um, there will be a
0: testimony. I'm, I remember my teacher, my senior year, he was talking to us. He always told us, like, when the news and the media, if it bleeds, it leaves. So it's mm-hmm. always something negative, like somebody dying. And over time, he said, when even when he would hear stories about young children pa- passing away from different things, um, he, people in general, he was like, t- he, he had to report those stories so much that he became numb to it because mm-hmm. he's reporting death so much. Do you ever get to a point where? Of course, you're want to. you sympathetic, but is it it's kind of the same way for you when you have to report stuff like that so much?
1: You know, I have to think about um, myself and I talk to friends and family members, whatever. You know, I'm talking about some hard things in the news. Um, it, it's hard talking about, especially when it's, you know, children dying, um, anybody dying, any loss of life mm-hmm. is hard. But the hardest time I've ever had in TV news was when I was actually in Greenville, South Carolina. I'd only been there maybe a month, and I remember covering several different heart-wrenching stories of people dying, Mm -hmm. and it was week after week after week, and it was so hard, but I remember having to seek out help and go to a a counselor, and so um, I always stress to so many people that if you feel like you need to talk to someone go seek the professional help you need because don't ever be ashamed of it. Mm-hmm. And in my career and in my life, I've gone to talk to a therapist. Even when my parents got divorced when I was in seventh grade, my, my parents put me into a therapy. I remember going to a counselor in my career several times. Mm-hmm. But, you know, get the help you need and I've done that myself.
0: Right. Well, we'll talk about Greenville. How, how did you actually uh, end up with the opportunity that you had in Greenville?
1: Greenville is a crazy story. Actually, I interviewed for a job in Greenville in September 2008 and while I was on my interview at Fox Carolina, they got a director from the corporate company that they were going on a hiring freeze. And the crazy thing about it was my contract wasn't even up at my other station. Mm -hmm. So it just worked out. And so ended up, I didn't get a chance to go at that time, but then when my contract was coming up the next year, the hiring freeze had lifted. And so they called me back and I got a chance to go to Greenville. And I will say Greenville, I really enjoyed it there. I love the community, the people. the flavor, just the atmosphere in the upstate. I have so many different events like fall for Greenville mm-hmm. that they have downtown in October. And that was one of my favorite events. Um, Theater, which is another event they have back in, I think in May. So I got a chance to really connect and I love my church, Bethlehem Baptist Church mm-hmm. in Simpsonville. I love that church. And I really got a chance to really connect with people
0: there. So after, after you went from Greenville, was this the next, your next destination or how,
1: where This was the next stop? You know, when I came here, I had no idea I was gonna come here. The crazy story was I was I had just signed an extension in Greenville because I hadn't found a job that I wanted to go to. And two weeks into signing a six-month extension, Chattanooga came calling. I interviewed for the job, and I remember my agent saying, you know, you're under contract now. I said, Look, if God wants me to have this job, he'll work it out. And so, you know, my faith has always been a big part of my life. And mm. so I put it in God's hands and my station in Greenville they thought this was a great opportunity for me and they let me out of my contract and I stayed for about 2 months after I had told them I was leaving and I came here and right. I've been here for 7 years and 2 months did I anticipate being here this long no right. God had a different plan right. and I've you know even when I wanted to leave I've always felt like you know you know when it's time for you to leave but in this moment I've been able to make such a tremendous impact in this community, and I'm blessed mm-hmm. that God has been able to use me and the platform to help so many other
0: people. So when you're looking for these locations of where you work for, for are you is there anything in particular or, or do you just try to, as an anchor, just jump on any opportunity that you see fit?
1: You know, opportunities that, that are always good, but you also look at the quality of life. Um, how is it going to impact me with my life? You mm-hmm. know, being here, the plus is, I'm close to my friends and family. I have family here in Chattanooga. My parents okay. are two and a half hours away. I go home all the time. If I want to go home during the holidays, I can easily get in the car and, and go. You know, a lot of people that work in TV news and different markets, they a lot of times they are far away from home and they have to fly. Right. And so I have the luxury of being close to Atlanta and seeing friends in Atlanta. Or if I want to go back to South Carolina to see my friends there, I can hop in the car in four hours and I'll be there. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's centrally located where I can get to people that I care right. and love about.
0: As an anchor, how how in tune do you feel you need to be um, with with the community that you work in? Because like I was saying earlier, like when we talked to the people, the entrepreneurs that came on and talked to us earlier, while we since we've been down here, everyone said they knew you and they said great things about you. How how, how important do you feel as journalists to and is it to ha- have these relationships with the people that you um, work with in the community? You know, it's so important. It's so
1: important that you are out in the community. And as a TV personality, I always feel that. The best anchors are not anchored to an anchor desk in a studio. The best anchors are going to be anchored to the community. And Mm -hmm. so it's so important that you know what's happening in your community because, you know, I live here. I work at a TV station, but I also know what's happening in the community. I know who are the movers and shakers when it comes to politics, when it comes to social issues, who to talk to when it comes to like professional, you know, doctors and lawyers and people like that. So it's so important that you know people that you can direct people to. And, and the other part about it is, so many people in this community they may need help, and I could easily direct. Oh, you need to talk to this person, or you need to talk to that person. Right. So I think it's so important that you're not just a person that's on TV, reading the news, it's so imperative that you get in the trenches and get involved in the community. And especially for those young people, I go to a lot of schools and I feel like it's so important that kids see, you know, people that are in the professional world that are doing great things and there are, that are not basketball players, football players, you know, sports players, nothing against sports players, but I like to show people, especially kids that there's so many other professions out there besides Playing basketball, playing Right.
0: because it's so important. Because like when you turn on the TV, that's all I think. I guess t- to a lot of kids, that's like that's the dream, like that's mm-hmm. it. Like if either you're an entertainer, you're an athlete, and we just try to, and that's what we. That's what this platform is for also, like just to bring entrepreneurs on people that are not. And like, we we have had some professional athletes come on and share their stories, but it's like life is more than just like like LeBron said, more than the athlete. You mm-hmm. have to be more than that because at the end of the day, those guys. Gonna have to hang up their uniform at the same mm-hmm. time, and then they're gonna have to do something else. Whether it's uh, some of them, if they go broke, they have to get another job or they create their own opportunity. So it's yeah. important for kids to see these different things that they can be other than just an athlete or an entertainer.
1: You know, I think about Michael Strahan on Good Morning America. Yep. You know, Michael Strahan played football for years, mm-hmm. finished it. He was on Live with Kelly and Michael. He also is on Fox Sports, he's also on Good Morning America. Mm-hmm. So when you're, if you do decide to go into sports, that's great, but make sure you get some type of training degree it so is. that you can fall back and do something else and get like several checks like Michael Strahan, including his own clothing line at J.C. Yeah,
0: he's doing great. Yeah. Now, now as an anchor, have you ever had a time um, where you, when you were interviewing somebody that you were, were nervous? Was it somebody a big name person, or was it anybody that you were ever starstruck with?
1: Not really starstruck. I meet a lot of celebrities. One of my favorite interviews, and I tell this often, when I was a young reporter in Columbus, Georgia. um, Columbus, Georgia is about 45 minutes from Plains, Georgia. So I was there for an event at a university in America's Georgia. And there were a lot of people endorsing um, John Edwards. He was running for president. This is during the time of the 2008 election. Mm -hmm. But this actual encounter happened in 2007. So I'd only been a reporter for a year. And a lot of people who know me... I love presidential politics and mm-hmm. I love politics and history. So at this particular event, Jimmy Carter, the former president who's from Plains, he was there. And I remember my photographer was an older gentleman who had been at the station for years. And I told him, I said, I'm going to get an interview with Jimmy Carter. And he said, Greg, you got to talk to like people before this. You just can't just walk up to Jimmy Carter mm-hmm. and get an interview. I said, I'm going to do it. And so he was like, you know, there's Secret Service. You can't just walk up to the former president. I'm like, oh, he's been out of office for over 20 years. It's okay. So as I'm standing there, former First Lady Rosalind Carter was standing there, and she looked at me, and I spoke to her, and I said, I've always wanted to interview a president one day. And she says, you know, you never know when it's going to happen. Just always be prepared. And next thing I know, a bunch of Secret Service people are walking in, and Paul, the photographer I was with, he looked at me. He says, don't do it. Don't move. So I said, you know what? You're not going to tell me No. Right. Because I'm just that person. Right. So in walks a bunch of Secret Service people, and then I have my microphone, and I was like, "Mr. Car- president Carter, and next thing I know, Mrs. Carter stopped him. She says, Jimmy, talk to Greg. And then Jimmy Carter, the 39th president of the United States of America, come over and talk to little old 22-year-old Greg Thunderbird.
0: His major.
1: And he was so nice, so gracious. And I still have that interview on a BBC Pro tape in a box back home. I need to pull that out. Right.
0: See, it's like you, you never know what's... What would have happened? That's why you have to ask. You never mm-hmm. know. Because um, I remember, for me, my internship. I, I was starstruck when uh, Coach Cox gave me the opportunity for my internship covering the Hornets and, and the Panthers. And I remember uh, one day we went to ACC media day. So I got it. Because I'm a sports guy. So I mm-hmm. had a chance to see Coach K and Roy Williams, um, Jim Bayham, all the big name coaches mm-hmm. in the ACC. And then that following night, right the same night, we went to see the Hornets season opener against the Milwaukee Bucks. And um, after the game, we're going we're headed to the media room. So we're walking one way, and Michael Jordan is coming past us wow. the next way. So I just look like, Man, that's that's Mike right there. <laughs> and it's, it was crazy. I mean, I didn't get I didn't get a chance to interview mm-hmm. him or anything, but just to see those those guys like they, we yeah. grew up watching on TV, and then it's right there in front of you. You know, speaking it's, of him, I um, I met Michael Jordan when I was a kid.
1: He, he played for the Birmingham Bears. He took a break from basketball mm-hmm. for a bit. And then also when I was in the upstate, I remember I'm not a big sports person. So I told my I called one of my best friends, I said, Hey, Jerry Rice is at a golf tournament in Greenville and I'm interviewing him tonight. What should I ask him? And she's like, How in the world you get this exclusive interview with Jerry Rice? You don't know nothing about sports. But thank God I have good friend. One of my best friends, she's a producer at ESPN. So they gave me some advice, some questions. Mm-hmm. So it's always, I always tell people, you don't have to be the smartest person in the room. As long as you have a tribe around you mm-hmm. that are very intelligent, they know different things. It
0: lifts you up and elevates you. This is a true story. I, I never, I don't think I ever told this story on, on the, on the podcast before, but I actually wrote about it in my book that's coming out. And, uh, i never forget, after one of the Hornets games, they had uh, two Hornets players. Um, it was like a meet-and-greet for the rookies. Mm-hmm. It was uh, P.J. Harrison and Noah Vonley. So they had kids lined all the way up to, to meet those guys. So we were getting ready to do like a post-game report, me and Coach Cox, and he had to go back and get one of the stands for the camera. Mm-hmm. And uh, so as, as I'm just standing there waiting and the kids are lined up talking to the players – this kid just looked over at me and he pointed he said, That's Michael Jordan. And he thought I was Michael Jordan. So so when I told him, I was like, No, I'm I'm not Michael. He just like he was like looking a little bit disappointed. But I didn't want to play alone. But I didn't expect him to know who he was because he was only like five years old. Yeah. So of course he wouldn't know. But I was that's the first time I ever had somebody confuse me with Michael Jordan, <laughs> which which made me feel good, though. Knowing that I took I'm, the check would be nice. It sure would. Yeah. It absolutely would. But, but let's get back to the uh, media. How do you feel the media has been covering everything that we see that's going on today?
1: You know, with everyone being stuck inside their homes, a lot of people working from home, I feel like the media's place has elevated a lot during this time. Mm-hmm. Because with COVID-19 in the beginning, um, media coverage was up because a lot of people were tuning back into television news to know what's going on. And they want to know, you know, what's fact, what's fiction you know, all that kind of good stuff. But I feel like the stations are doing, I feel like and I can only speak for my station Mm -hmm. and what I've seen on the network level. I think most stations have been doing a a good job in covering what has been happening. The hard thing is um, for a lot of people, a lot of people feel like, you know, this is just too much. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like, you know, even though the stations are covering it and and people's viewing habits are going to be different, you know, I may watch early in the morning because I'm a morning person. You may watch in the evenings, and it seems like if I'm watching in the morning and they're talking about COVID and everything else going on, and then I turn back on in the evening and they're talking about it again, you as a person have to control the amount that you are putting It'll into your crazy. your mindset into your your life. So you have to decide I'm going to watch just live this little bit this morning so I know what's going on, and then turn it off.
0: Um, and I think it's also important. It just a lot of it depends on which outlet you watch. Like if you watch Fox News, you're gonna see one side. If you watch CNN, you're gonna mm-hmm. see something else. Do you feel like it's important if you're watching the news to kind of look at both sides to kind of see? Because there are times where they may have like even if you don't like you hate Fox News, they may have a, a good point sometimes. And then CNN, some people may hate CNN, but a lot of times they may have some great mm-hmm. points. Do you try to watch you both know, to get a good I, picture? I
1: think it's so important that you watch. All types of news, so whether it's Fox, Mm -hmm.
0: ABC, NBC,
1: CBS, watch all of them, and then you, as a viewer, you take away what each is saying, and then you come up to your own conclusion, right, on what you feel is what you're going to take in, Mm -hmm. what you're not going to believe.
0: Because if it's even on even on Facebook or something like, if all you see is people that agree with you, you're just going to think the other side is just Mm -hmm. completely wrong. That's why. even even the, my friends that are, whether they're Trump supporters or they support Joe Biden, I, I don't del- delete them or anything like that because I, I try to understand like where they're coming from. Like, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe they say something, they agree with something, that he has a great point. I try to listen to it instead of just completely mm-hmm. shutting them out. But a lot of times um, people, when they watch the news, it's only one side. They only mm-hmm. look at or listen to people that believe in what they believe in yeah. as opposed to going to the other side.
1: You know, I think it's so important. um, You brought up a good point that so many people look at people's viewpoints. But at the end of the day, the great thing that we have, we can come to our own conclusion on who we are going to vote for. Mm -hmm. And it is so important that you look at both candidates and you look at their views and look at their beliefs and you come to your own conclusion, which candidate best represents who you want to see represent your country or that candidate is running for a, a local city organization or county position, you find what that candidate is talking about and figure out which candidate is the best one that aligns with your viewpoints. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the day, if your candidate does not win or if your candidate wins, you know we as a country or you as a you know, city or a county or state, you have to live with that for the next two years for Congress, four oh, years sorry. for president, six years for a senator, but the most important thing that we need to think about in this whole thing is you need to get out and vote. Absolutely. And when I think about my grandmothers, my my, both of my grandmothers, one was born in 1940, one was born in 1928. And when they turned 18, they didn't have the right to vote.
0: Mm.
1: Did not have the right to, they didn't actually get to vote for the first time until years later. So mm-hmm. that's why I always tell young people, it is so imperative that it doesn't matter who you vote for, you go and figure out and find the information on the candidates and come to your own conclusion and vote.
0: Absolutely. Because somebody
1: died, somebody fought for mm-hmm. us to have that right, right
0: to vote. And thats I think that's part of about the importance of this platform. It's not to tell you... It's not my job to tell you who to vote for, mm-hmm. but I encourage people to vote whether you believe in these candidates or not. Um, it's, this is one of the most intriguing... I, I haven't seen anything like this election that's coming up. Like I I I just don't know, but it's not, I will never tell anybody not to vote because if you register and if you are eligible to vote, I definitely think you need to vote. But this is, this is something different. Like this is actually, this is my own, only my third time being able to vote when I graduated. Obama was in office and got elected in office in 08 and I graduated in 2010. So my first time being able to vote for him was in 2012. And then I voted four years ago when Trump ran against Hillary. So this would be my third time being able to vote. So I will register. I will go back and vote, but for you, I know you you may not be able to say what's going on, but have you have you seen anything like this in your town from these candidates or like this election coming up?
1: You know this has been unprecedented to be honest with you. you know I remember as a kid in in history classes and for extra credit, we were told, hey, watch the presidential debate tonight and write down your thoughts and write down you know what are your what did you think about the debate? who do you think won? And so I watched the debate on Tuesday night and um, it was heartbreaking to Mm -hmm. see, you know, where we are in the country um, because of um, I I wish that the kids today got a chance to see a really good debate. And I'm hoping and praying that when they do go to the debate stage again, that they're able to debate the issues and the things that are happening in our country to give the american people a better sense of who they are as candidates mm-hmm. and help them to help people decide who they want to support coming on the election on november 3rd and also for our young people to be able to see a good healthy debate because there was a time in our country i remember as a teenager growing up you know we can have debates about different things and we may not saw eye to eye but at the end of the day we can be friends and say you know let's Let's go hang out tomorrow. All
0: right. But from what from what I seen from that debate, I don't I don't think it's if they do it again. To me, I just feel like it may end up getting being the same result, just the, the back and forth. I, to me, this and that was my pet peeve about it. it's just it's like they're never talking about solutions. It's always you did this wrong, you did this wrong, and it's never enough, anything about how can we we have these issues, how can we solve them. That's that's been my issue with the debate, and it was just. From from what I've seen, I got a chance to look at a little bit of that. Of after we finished our um, talk show union, it's time we talked, It was just something that we do. That's coming together in our community to solve these issues that we have. Mm-hmm. But I, so the, the little bit that I seen from it, it was just like it was just insults, just going back and forth, and it was just no kind of solution. So I don't know. And and if if people watch that, it, it's just like, what are we voting for? Because these guys, they, it's like they don't have our best interests at heart.
1: And, you know, you just, like I said, you just have to look at both candidates at this Mm -hmm. point, because at this time, um, and and also on top of just the two main Republican Democratic candidates, there are other independent candidates that are running as well. So you can look at what candidate you feel will be the best one, or if you don't feel that any of them, you can also write in a candidate. Mm -hmm. That's the great thing about our democracy.
0: How important for you, would you say, is it, as opposed to the presidential election, like how important is the are the local elections? You know, the local these.
1: elections are so much more. I feel like the presidential election is important, but the local elections are just as important because mm-hmm. when you're looking at city and county and state, these are people that can really affect your life locally because, you know, Absolutely. a lot of people, they look at the presidential election, I'm going to vote for this person or that person, and then I'll go back to the polls in four years. But those city ele- elections, county elections, and state elections those are the people that really make the difference in things that you deal with, like potholes on the street. Mm-hmm. i want to get the potholes fixed. You know, um, a friend of mine back home is thinking about running for city council, and I was so excited for her and so proud for her. But you know, the thing about wanting to run for a city election, you really get to make a difference because you're really making change because you're you're governing governing over a small amount of people in your area.
0: Absolutely, and I think that's another way to to get more things done in, in the the, in the communities that don't have the resources. do as a, as a journalist, do you guys, how often do you guys get a chance to like shed light on those communities that may not have those resources? You know, the great thing about what I do
1: is I'm able to use this platform for greater good and, ex- mm-hmm. and shed a positive light on so many people and organizations and communities who are doing extraordinary things. And also if they're having a difficult time with whatever it is, I can go out and do a story, mm-hmm. and make it important—something that is important to them. I can put it on a bigger stage right. and give them more exposure.
0: What which do you will hopefully lead them to right. results? What What are some struggles as a as a black man working in the media? What do you see as a struggle for a lot of African American journalists that that you see today in the, in the media?
1: You know, um, for a lot of African American journalists, uh, black and brown journalists, the. Everything that's been happening with the, the 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 whole thing with race in this country mm-hmm. has been hard for so many people. And you know, I remember some of my some of my friends who are and some of my friends who are not black or brown came to me and said, "Did you did you have the talk that your parents have the talk with you?" And I'm like, "Yeah, my parents had the talk." I remember you know my parents having that talk that you know everything is not going to be fair. It's not going to be this, Mm -hmm. you know, that or whatever, and prepared me for a lot of the things that I deal with in the professional world and even in life. This is stuff that was not a shock to me because my parents have always told me to be prepared for it. Mm -hmm. So, yes, a lot of black and brown journalists are having a difficult time right now because of, you know, you're covering these, these rallies or protests, but on the other side of it, you're having to cover one side And you're also having to cover the other side. Mm -hmm. So you're covering both sides. And so, you know, sometimes when you hear someone say something just way out far left, you have to treat that comment. That's their view. And -hmm. you have to report the facts. And so it's hard sometimes.
0: Are those conversations that you guys have in the newsroom about, like, race relations and stuff like that, especially, like, I know a lot of, I feel like when COVID took place and then we seen the, the George Floyd incident, I feel like it opened a lot of eyes for a lot of people Mm -hmm. and was that a time or that kind of like where you guys started having those more of those conversations about race?
1: We have a lot of conversations about race with my, my coworkers on the morning Mm -hmm. show off air, but um, we also have conversations just about just simple social issues in America that are going on in America. So it's so important that Mm -hmm. we have those conversations and a lot of people are afraid and scared to have those conversations. But I feel like it's so important that you do have those conversations.
0: What would you say is is your is your favorite part of working in the media? And then also, what is your least part favorite part about working in the media? My favorite part is working with people and being able to get out in the community and meet
1: mm-hmm. so many amazing people from different walks of life. The hardest part, and I wouldn't say not my, it's, I wouldn't say my least favorite thing I would just say the hardest part from my job is getting up at three o'clock in the morning mm. to go to work because I work on the morning show. But on top of being on the morning show, it's the best shift because you get to be on air for hours and you get to talk about hard news, like, you know, horrible shootings and stabbings and murders. But then on the flip side, you get to talk about entertainment right. and politics. And I get to interview cool people about random things that are happening in the community. Mm-hmm. So I think morning TV is the best, the right. best
0: ship in my opinion. Do you watch a lot of news when, when you get off or is it like, okay, I, I, I work here. I, I do it. I'm doing it all the time. Let me get a break from it. How, how, how much time do you spend watching the actual news?
1: I take a break. I take a break from it. I watch some of the things throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people get like, I watch some of the commentators in the evenings and I like to see what they're saying so I can kind of get a gist of what people are saying around the world or the country about different Mm -hmm. things that are happening in America. So I do get get in some of it. But like I said, I like to give myself a break.
0: As we progress um, have some more questions coming up, I want to take time to also say this episode is sponsored by Charlene's Home Cooking on 1136 East Blackstock Road in Moore, South Carolina. Charlene's Home Cooking is a family restaurant that cooks like grandma with fresh veggies and meats cooked to order. You can do a meat with two sides, a meat with three sides, or a veggie plate along with sweet tea, Kool-Aid, and lemonade. Cakes, pies, and cobbler are also available for dessert. She wants you to feel at home anytime you visit, so make sure you stop by on Monday, Thursday, and Saturday from 11 to 6, Friday and Sunday from 11 to 7. Everything is fresh and from the heart, and she would love for you to visit. And also, thank you to Miss Cynthia. From Faces by Cynthia on 27 East Main Street in Spartanburg, South Carolina. So thank you guys again for sponsoring this episode of the, Cross the Line Podcast. And so Greg, if you ever come by, make sure you stop by one of those places. They'll take care of you, get mm-hmm. something to eat. When you said more South Carolina, I know where that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I remember where that is? Yep. It was uh She was one of my favorite people. Also, mm-hmm. man, when I remember starting this journey two years ago, and I just walked in with, with no, no kind of like no expectations. I just walked in um and I just talked to her, told her what I was doing, and I was just like, "Would you be willing to, you know, sit down and do an interview for me?" And she said she would, she would love to do it, and she was asking me what made me do it, and she's picking my brain. But anytime we ever needed anything, like she would always opened the doors, and, and she always took care of me. Like we, anything we need, she always told me, "If you need something, come by." And she actually wrote a foreword for my book that's mm-hmm. coming out. So I always I'm always grateful to Miss Charlene. She, Congratulations uh, to you on the new book. Oh, thank you. It, it'll be out. We, we don't have a set date yet. It's hopefully it'll be March. But um, just talking to my publisher, we we'll, um, I have everything turned in. We're just waiting to hear more back from us. So hopefully the goal is to keep my fingers crossed is to have it out by March. But Good it's, it's going to be. I definitely have to tell you more about it, it and um, and show you the cover art for it as okay. well. Once we once we get off air. But um, let's get back to it. The biggest lesson that you've learned so far in your career.
1: The biggest lesson I've learned is don't sweat the small stuff. A lot of when I used to, when I was younger, I used to get upset about the smallest things. Like I look at my cousins now that are in their twenties because I remember I was so much older when they were born and I used to babysit them. And so to see them grown now and to see some of the issues that they deal with and get upset about, and I just look at them, they're like 24, 25. four, twenty five. I'm like,
0: let it go. It's not serious.
1: Who? So that's that's my thing. Just just let the small stuff. Right.
0: Who would you say have been your mentors so far in your journey?
1: You know, I have so many different mentors. I'm so grateful that so many people have poured into my career. Um, I look at you know Fran Curry when I was a young journalist when I was in growing up in Alabama and how she have molded me and other journalists who invited me to their station in Birmingham, like Art Franklin, when he was at Fox six in Birmingham, or Kisa Sharp, when she was a reporter at ABC or an anchor at ABC 3340 in Birmingham. And then I have other people that I look up to who I have met or never met, like Robin Roberts at Good Morning America. Mm -hmm. She is just, I met her several times and just simply amazing, a gracious woman.
0: What are, what are those feelings when you see those peers, like, up close and personal? What is that feeling like to know you're in the presence of those people? You know,
1: the, I will tell you, when I met Robin Roberts, it was five years ago this week, the first time I met her. And I was in New York, and I was there for my first trip to New York City. And my one of my good friends I grew up with, he lives in New York now, and he went to the station with me. So we get to New York, at to Good Morning America. We're a VIP because I work for an ABC affiliate in Chattanooga. And so they gave us the rolled out the red carpet. And so I got a chance to be behind the scenes. And so I had tweeted and said, I am with at Good Morning America and I see Robin Roberts and I tagged her in the post and I said, I'm just so honored to be in the same space as she is. And then in the commercial break, Robin comes over because there's a bunch of people, a lot of people don't realize in that studio, there are a lot of people like behind the scenes that are in there and they're like little ants. And so like when they say 10 seconds, and when it's, they're on air, it's like everybody gets quiet. Then at the commercial break, everybody's running again. And so she comes over and she's like, Greg, how's it going? And I look like, I know she's talking to another Greg <laughs> up in here. I know she ain't talking to me. And so she said, Greg Thunderbird, It's like I had an outer body experience. It's like right. <laughs> I came out of my body and I just remember her saying, Come up to the set with me, and I'm like, and my my good friend that was with me, he was like, Greg, if you could have only seen yourself. I walked up to that set, that's I sat big. in George Stephanopoulos' chair like I was about to do Good Morning America, <laughs> and, but, but it was fun. And she and I remember later on that morning, one of the security people said, "You must be special because she never comes over and push, brings people up on the set with her during the show. She'll do it after the show, but you know, I was just so blessed.
0: That's me." What what advice would you give kids that want to get or, or young adults that want to get into the, into the media? Intern,
1: reach out to local TV personalities, and get a chance to job shadow. Intern, intern, intern. That's all. So yes. cool.
0: I wish I would have done that so earlier when mm-hmm. once I got to college because when I got there, I, I was just ready to just have fun. Like I had freedom. Yeah. And I was just ready to do my own thing, but. I didn't really start focusing on it until like it was time of, like graduation was like right around the class. Yeah. Like, okay
1: you know people used to make one of my friends used to make fun of me because in my dorm room i had like a, a i had looked at previous semesters on what they were offering in my career curriculum mm-hmm. and i planned out every semester what i was taking up until the time i graduated mm-hmm. so my one of my best friends she said why are you doing this you should be having fun living your best life and i said look my mom told me when they dropped me off to go to school, she says, look, you have a younger brother. He's four years younger than you for a reason. I said, why? She said, you got four years to get out of college mm-hmm. and we'll give you an extra semester if you screw up. But after that, you own your own. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know what? Let me go ahead and get this degree because when Maryland said they won PAN, right. <laughs> four and a half it was a wrap.
0: So. And I took it upon myself. I I just knew I wanted to do something like sports later when, mm-hmm. when I graduated but I knew like once I was there, I wanted to have fun. But at the same time I was obligated because my parents taking out those loans. Yeah. I didn't want them to just do it for, for nothing. So of course I definitely made sure it was, I graduated, but at the same time when I got there, I wanted to have some fun too. And just, you know, my parents were never really strict on us. They always stayed on us to make sure we did the right thing, Mm -hmm. but they still let us go out and have fun. But Mm -hmm. it's just a different experience. Like when you're, on campus and your parents are not there and you, you're on your own. Nobody's waking you up to go to class. Yeah. And somebody come next door, somebody next door to you, hey man, we're about to go to a party. You want to roll with us? It's just different. Like You know you got homework it's, it's, and you need to study, yeah. but then when they call about a party, it's I'm like, gonna be honest with you. I'm,
1: when I was in college, I never went to a party.
0: Really? Never. Oh man. Ever. I don't
1: know why. Actually take that back. We went to one party one time, because my one of my friends, she liked this guy, he was a frat, a, frat bro, a frat guy and we got to the frat house for the party and as soon as we got there the police shut the party down because there was underage drinking, mm-hmm. we were not drinking we had just got there, and we didn't drink at the time so anyway, um, I remember she was like, oh my god, we can't leave, and I went up to the cops and I said we're here because she liked him, and we just got here can we leave, and the cops
0: said okay, yeah, you can leave <laughs> 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 it worked. It worked out. Yeah, I, well, I remember one party. I, I probably, I probably saying too much. We had a, we went to a house party. That was probably like one of the very last few that I went to because it was underage drinking, mm-hmm. and the police knocked on the door, and it was probably at least fifty people up in that apartment, at least. Oh wow! And people was trying to get out, but the people, who, the guys who stayed there, they jumped out the window and they just took off. Oh, Meanwhile, man. everybody else was in there, but it was, oh man, it was a crazy. Crazy experience. That's why I was like, man, partying. I always stress people now, like kids going to school. Like, if you go on, make sure you know what you go for. Go for the right reasons. Yes. Don't go and just for an party. education. Exactly. Because if you don't, it's just time and money that you're wasting. Money that ha- that has to be paid back. Yes. Because they will find you. Trust me. They they'll find ways to get yeah. their money back. Um, few more questions. How do you think media, the media industry, will look five years from now?
1: You know, I think it's going to look a lot different because of everything that's happened this year with everything digital. Mm-hmm. Um, I am zoomed out. I didn't know Skype still existed until March. So I feel like, you know, the digital industry is going to boom more so. Mm-hmm. TVs are still going to be TV. People are going to still go to TV. But I feel like the digital part is going to take off more so because more people are listening to podcasts. Mm-hmm. More people are listening to or watching Facebook interviews. More people are doing more of that kind of stuff because, mm-hmm. you know, we're in a situation where we're having to do more of and so people are enjoying it.
0: Absolutely. I, I still say I love the, the, the human interaction. I still love the face-to-face interviews. To me, they mm-hmm. they, they feel more natural than just a, a, a Zoom or a Skype interview. I love yeah. those kind of interactions. But I still think, for me, I always say I think even though – not just saying it for myself, but I, I just think podcasts are, are going to be the thing in the future as well. Because mm-hmm, even if you look a lot online, even your favorite athletes or celebrities, entertainers, they're all going towards podcasts. now. Yep. Um, radio, I think radio will still be around, but it's to me, it's not the same as a podcast. Yeah. And even where we stay at also, um, one of the, the, the newspapers that we had, I think this past week was their last paper that they're putting out mm-hmm. it went from print to digital but it's still not not the same, not the same. so, so you see newspapers are going away now. yeah but I, I definitely think like podcast will, will definitely be something that's going to continue to grow because your yeah. favorite entertainers athletes are, are going that way so i definitely yeah. think the media industry is going to change a couple more questions this is the the self-investment tour um so we've been asking everybody that's been coming on what does self-investment mean to you
1: well, that's a good question. You know, self-investment to me is you have to invest in yourself to get you to where you want to be. A lot of times, a lot of people, you know, when I was growing up, it was always, you know, you find a good company and you get a good check, good benefits and live your life and retire. But it's so important to invest in yourself and have your own things on the side. And mm-hmm. so I think it's so important, like you have the podcast and, you know, you have been doing this. So I think, you know, if it's something that you want to do, go for it. And, you know, Once you get to a point and maybe the podcast is paying for itself, let it become your full time job. But more importantly, don't just spend your life working for a set company for X amount of years without having something that you enjoy and love on the other side.
0: Absolutely. Because I feel like we give our. I feel like it's kind of like taught us at a young age. You, You go to school, college, you graduate, you get a job. Great benefits, and you can retire in thirty, forty years, or whatever, and then that's it. But it's like why why do you have to why do we have to live that way we have to give these companies the best years of our life? I and mean, it's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with having a job, but at the same time it's it's okay to invest in yourself and get your own opportunity. That's why well I, always, I say this all the time too. just uh, the name of our business is more than a job. yep, because life is more than just picking up a paycheck. You know what you want to find your purpose and and do something that you really enjoy doing. But I feel like so many people today, like we just get up and go to work um, just to pay bills and, mm-hmm. and not we're not really happy with what we're doing. So that's why yeah. I say it's always important, like self-investment, invest yeah. in yourself. Um, one more thing. Speaking of self-investment, I had something down here, your fitness journey. There was something you know, else I wanted you to speak on. I this call
1: way. myself the male version of Oprah. Because my weight goes up and down because, I mean, like, it's just, it's life. So, you know, like, I'm going to be honest with you. I started a fitness, I started a fitness journey when I was in South Carolina. Lost weight, gained weight, lost weight, gained weight. Then when I got here to Chattanooga, lost weight, gained weight. And then I started a fitness journey again. I never really stopped. I still do it, but I'm not as serious. And when I say start, I'm like all in, food, because I people. a lot of people don't realize it's not about the working out. It's about the nutrition part. So once I, there was it last year? It was last year. So in January last year, I decided, you know what? I'm going to get myself together. And I worked all year. I lost like, I think 75, 80 pounds. Mm-hmm. So then the pandemic happened in March. And so the gyms were closed. I didn't have a schedule because I wasn't I wasn't speaking. I wasn't hosting. I was just strictly just doing work and going home. And I'm like, okay, what do I do? Because I'm used to having like, I gotta be here. I gotta be here. I gotta go to the gym, and I have to get the gym, and then I have to go here. And I had such a structure that all of a sudden it was like there's no structure. And so over the pandemic, you know, people say the freshman fifteen or pandemic fifteen. Mm-hmm. Mine has been more like the pandemic 2022-25. 20, mm-hmm. So I'm I'm losing the pandemic twenty two twenty five, and then I can go back and finish what I started. So you know what? It's an ongoing journey. And so fitness to me. It is something not just at a period of time. It is a lifetime commitment. Being an African-American man from a small country town in Alabama, my family has a history of hypertension, um, Mm. heart disease, diabetes. And so it is so important and so imperative that I work out and eat healthy as much as I can so that I can prevent some of those ailments from happening to me.
0: Speaking of the pandemic, what has the pandemic done for you personally in your life?
1: It has helped me to realize that life is short and take moments to seize everything. And so I take time, even like this morning, I woke up, it was a beautiful day. I went outside and I smell the air, you know, as simple as like talking to people. I'm always very kind and, you know, talking to folks, but it's just taking the time to call family members. Cause you know, we get into this whole thing. And I'm just going to text such and such. I pick up the phone. Like the other day I called a friend of mine. I picked up the phone. He was like, Hey, what's going on? And I said, I would just call and see if you're okay. If you're alive, you're doing good. It's so important. This has taught me time to pick up the phone, call people, see how they're doing. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, tomorrow is not promised. And the gentleman I was telling you about that passed away um, at the end of August from COVID, I just talked to him a few months ago. And I remember Mm -hmm. he would send me messages periodically when I was on set. And then all of a sudden I found out he died. Mm -hmm. And so I still stayed in touch with him, but I'm just telling people, take the time and pick up the phone and call your family and friends
0: absolutely like you said life is short and you never mm-hmm. know one of one of the things I, I i really regret about that is it was a lady that used to work with us named Miss Libby, and uh, she was a cancer patient and i always say you know i want to put together something for her because she would always come out and talk to me and, mm-hmm. and tell say nice things about me all the time i was you know i want one day i want to do something for her, like put together like a care package or something mm-hmm. for her. and one day it, it's a lady that works with us she she used to go take things back and forth to her. And then one day I came in and she told me, you know, Miss Libby passed away. So that's one of the things that, that bothered me is because man, I was like, I said I was going to do this. And I never got a chance to tell her I appreciate her for all the things, nice things she always said to me and everything. So I was like, man, you know what? It's so important to tell you, your people, you love them and you appreciate them. That's why we uh, last, one of my friends last weekend got one of my best friends got married last weekend, like mm-hmm. a brother to me. And you know before we left we always say man i love you man we're here for you we appreciate you because you never, like you said you never okay. know life is life is short man that's one of those things like with this pandemic it makes you appreciate more of what you have instead of the things yeah. that you don't like you don't have but a lot of times the stuff that we stress about is not really important anyway no it's not yeah, exactly it's absolute. so before we get, wrap it up one final question what are some future
1: goals for you i said that's a good question you know A lot of people have asked because, you know, we're on contracts, you know, Um, right now I'm enjoying the moment of being in the position I'm in Mm in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I anchor the morning show Monday through Friday on ABC from 4.30 until 7. Then I anchor the Fox morning show from 7 to 9. And then I do the noon show from 12 to 12.30. And before I even go on TV in the mornings, I do radio for three different stations and Amazon Alexa. So I'm enjoying the time that I get a chance to be here in Chattanooga. I have dreams to work on the network level yeah. and work in morning television on the network level. And so I, it's in God's hands and wherever God leads me to next, that's where I'll be.
0: Absolutely. Greg, I want to thank you again. Um, personally, I, I really appreciate it because, like I said, when I, I reached out to you after graduation, you responded, you were friendly to me. You told me if I need anything, feel free to reach out so and this has been i graduated six years ago now Mm -hmm. so it's crazy how much time has passed in december yep december Yep, 2014 yep it's crazy remember time is (laughs) passing and and you always so open and willing to help me out so i really appreciate you for that so thank you so much for helping me on my journey as well so before we get out here also can you give a shout out to the the people here that allowed this for us this
1: is I me tell you about this restaurant this is Davis Waynes in Chattanooga and Tem- Budowa, Tennessee. It's right outside of Chattanooga. My dear friends, Antonia Poland and Cynthia Wood. They own the restaurant. Hey, Antonia, you want to come over for a second? No. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> you <can> come over. <laughs> But anyway, they own uh, they own a company, uh, a catering company called Dip Fresh, and they also do edible uh, fruit arrangements. They've been doing that for, let's see i think eight years she started that company eight years ago and then two years ago they started davis wayne's which is a southern comfort food It's a meet in three and they are simply amazing and i am so proud of them and the work that they're doing and on top of having a catering company um, also a restaurant they're also pouring back into young people they have a nonprofit. Um, that is called um, the Try Love Foundation, where they're pouring back into young people in our community and for families who are having, like, you know, a difficult time. So I'm so proud of the work that they're doing, not only in the catering business, the restaurant, but also their nonprofit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I want to thank these guys for allowing us to use that facility. I, I love it. This is this is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I love to see, like, of course, our people, you know, investing in themselves and mm-hmm. supporting black owned business, something we need more of. Um, I think we'll definitely see more of that in in the future as well. So great. Once again, I want to thank you again for taking the time for this. This is the Cross Line Self-Investment Tour. This is our, we saved you for the main event down here in Chattanooga. I'm so honored. So honored. And you know what? If I can ever help you in the future,
1: when you bring your book out, you know, I have like this online Facebook show I started. Let me know. I'd love to talk to you as well.
0: Yes, sir. I'm. I'm sure, as soon as we get off air, I'm going to show you my book as well. As you, I think you'll yeah. like it. But for so everyone tuning in, thank you guys for showing out us love and support with being down here. This is the fourth episode of the Cross the Line Self-Investment Tour down here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So until next time, keep chasing your dreams. This is the Cross the Line Podcast. Thank you for listening.